Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the History Hour here on KZMU. My name is Blaine, your host and guide, and today is our first episode of 2022. It's a very special one. Uh, so joining with me, first off, is Josh Barlow. He is going to be my new co-host here. How's it going, everyone? Stoked to be here. I've been a guide in Moab for a few years, and uh, we're stoked to get some uh, some history, some science, and a little bit of education. I've uh, I've found that that guiding out here, um, you know, our guests forget most of the facts that they learn, um, but they're not going to forget how they felt. So we want to get some indigenous voices, some scientists, and and really give some good perspective. So I'm stoked to be here. Awesome, cool. Thanks a lot, Josh. So also today is also a very special episode. We have Mr. Lewis Williams here from Ancient Waves, and uh, he's going to be speaking with us today about uh, local indigenous history, and I want to go ahead and introduce him right now to you. Hey, hello, Blaine. Josh, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Um, I just drove up from Blanding, Utah. I'm glad to be here and share some stories and some uh, perspective from an indigenous guide. I've been guiding on the San Juan River for approximately 10 years and doing land-based tours in the Bears Ears region for approximately eight years. So I'm a full-time guide out in the you know wilderness and just providing um, culture tours and educational-based tours. People from all over the world come out here trying to um, learn about this wonderful unique region we live in so we're very fortunate um, I'm very fortunate to be out there part of the the um, group of guides you know sharing these stories and um, p- particularly the indigenous guides you know who we we really try to um, we're we're in support of you know more guides to to tell these stories so i'm here to actually you know support that and show my support so thank you looking forward to this discussion yeah thank you have you here thank you yeah so um you know i just kind of want to get started right off the bat today and um you know can you speak with us a little bit about you know the history of of the culture and your people uh specific to this uh region oh yeah totally um so first of all if I was to, you know, uh, be, I'm going to introduce myself as I, my grandma taught me to. Sure. So, yeah. Louis Williams in the Being put toward me, Nishlin, Chippewa, Bush's chain, Tobush Naja, Dasha Che, Aro Naslan and Dasha Nale, Lady Tordinashe, Nasha, Gade Blanding, Hoan Sada, Sizin. Um, so yeah, I, I just mentioned my name in Navajo and my four clans, which my first clan is the Deer Springs people, and I'm born for the Chippewa. My third clan is two people coming to the water people, and my fourth clan is the Dakota Sioux um, from the Sisseton Wapitinoyate tribe. And um, those four clans that I mentioned Oh, well, I also mentioned that I'm from Kayenta, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So that's where I grew up. And um, I currently live in Blanding. So that's all I, I shared that in Navajo, you know, which was what I was taught growing up. So um, that telling everybody my clan and where I'm from 
is very um, respectful, you know, and it, 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 a lot of uh, good conversation evolves from that introduction. So uh, as I mentioned, my clans, I have clans from different regions, you know, um, my being Pitkoni clan, I have, I'm very fortunate that we're, I have family in Utah, northern Utah, so in around the Bluff area, and the Deer Springs people are also down in the southern part of the Navajo Nation, mm -hmm. which is along the little Colorado River, and that's where my grandma and that's where my my mother, my mother's side, my maternal um, genes come from is mm -hmm. uh, down in the Tsidetwo area, which is means Bird Springs in Navajo. So um, my um, two people coming to the Water People clan, that, that from that's from New Mexico area. So over by the Grants, New Mexico, Mount Taylor. Mm -hmm. That's where my third clan is from. So uh, we're very fortunate to have a good connection to all these areas. So it kind of um, brings it um, all these regions, the four corner states, you know, so I'm really knowledgeable about the four corners region. And so yeah, I'm here to share about the area and stories. So. It's interesting to hear about the different clans because typically we hear about, you know, a single tribe, the Navajo, that's the tribe, right? We don't typically hear about the subsections within um, that overall tribe. Um, so, you know, being curious myself, those clans, what, what is the relationship like between those clans? Or is it good? Do they, do they fight? Do they work together? Um, how does that work? Um, the, so back home, um, the, the tribes, the, so I'd like to mention the places where I'm going to be referring to you know, throughout this discussion, their ancestral lands to many tribes and many clans. So I'd like to acknowledge these tribes. Mm -hmm, and the course. tribes are so, such as the Ute tribe, which are very close to the region. You know, yeah. Moab is, you know, we're looking up at the LaSalle Mountains, and that's got very close connection to the Ute. And uh, the Diné which is also the Navajo, Diné is what we refer to our, the, the Navajo people. We're not far from here as well. You know, we're down in um, San Juan River region. So where the San Juan um, River is home to all the, the Pueblo tribes. The, there's many Pueblo tribes that call this place home as well. You know, um, the Hopi, the Jimez, Zuni, um, Zia, um, there's many others that are, there's there's like twenty plus Pueblo tribes that call this place home, and uh, the Paiute live not far from here, so the Paiute um, tribe is west of here, so they got a great connection here. So those I want to mention, you know, those people are all call this place home, and one of the tribes is happened to be my tribe, you know the. Dene people, so the the Dene clans. There's so many of them, and currently, due to intermarriage over the years, so there's clans that have evolved over time. But there there's there's four clans that were the base that where all the clans stem from. 
so those clans again um they're south of here you know in, in the what we call the our four sacred mountains so we got the four sacred mountains which the nearest northern mountain from here here is the mount hesperus and then this western mountain is over in um san francisco peaks arizona southern mountain is in um mount taylor over by um grants new mexico we got the eastern mountain mount blanca in colorado and within all those mountains there's so many regions and um, springs so water is very much what is uh we're very connected to all these water sources like i just mentioned um deer springs people um, very close to the so there's springs that where my clans we believe we emerged from i just mentioned my other clan is so you mean water so that that's um, how you would say water in Navajo is tuo. And there's um, so a lot of clans. They're, you know, they're within those four sacred mountains. Mm-hmm. And these and these clans, they're connected to other tribes. So um, with over the years, there's many stories, you know, amongst these many clans. And the clans through intermarriage are very much, that's, that's how the stories are continuous since time immemorial. And the connection is very much, um, it's solid. Just like I mentioned, my clans, we're, again, we're going to kind of revert back to the clan system. You know, it, everything evolves from the clan system and our language. So the clan system dictates how we you know, we, we where we live, who we marry, and it it's a uh, so it's very important that when we um, re- we retain our knowledge of our our family roots. So, like I just mentioned, where I have my clan system in northern Utah and in um, Arizona, so we can trace our family roots, and that's very important. You know, if our elders really want that to continue. So these, um, yeah, the clan systems, you know, I'm sure that they, you, you asked if they, if there's been some, um, you know, budding heads, you know, along the way. I think that's common you know, amongst everybody, you know. So um, over the years, there has been stories, you know, it's most of the time it's just somebody stepping on one another's, one another's toes, you know. So out here, it's a lot of, we we really teach about respect, you know, respecting one another's place. And the, um, amongst the people out here, the tribes, they all are knowledgeable about where we're from. And, you know, we've been living amongst each other for all these years, you know, since time immemorial. You know, I I, I talk about, I, I asked my the elders quite a bit questions, you know, because I'm out there as a guide. You know, being out there as a guide, there's a lot of questions that pop up, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what's guiding yeah, is so yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I love my job, yeah. you know, so, because yeah. I'm out there, I'm st- I'm trying to answer questions, you know, so, yeah. but, uh, you know, questions, you know, are always, you know, there's oral, oral stories, there's, 
there's stories that have been passed down, um, different clans. So the stories, you know, they all change throughout from region to region. So, um, but the, yeah, there's, we're all, since time immemorial, been living amongst each other and we still are today. What that's what's so awesome about mm-hmm. that this right. place we live. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it, we got the history and we're still living it. You know, mm-hmm. we're, so you could say we're like living history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what's like one of your favorite um, sort of stories from your elders that you like to share whenever you're out guiding uh, to these Great to question. these specific sites? Is there like one in particular that you absolutely love to tell? Well, yeah. What really, you know, when I'm out guiding, my grandparents are with me. You know, my elders, my mom, mm-hmm. you know, my grandparents, my grandfather. They're all with me, so um, I what I what I was taught, you know, growing up was seeing my grandmas sing a lot well, as they do their daily tasks. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so as we go out hiking, I always tell people, you know, that a part of the trip is we point out different plants, at different um, landscapes that have stories connected to them and these a lot of these plants that we walk along the trail and see i point out that my grandma's you know they gathered many of those plants for different types of uses Mm -hmm. you know i have grandmas that are rug weavers so growing up i seen my grandma have buckets full of different types of dye you know, natural dye, and mm-hmm. she's so she's dyeing her wool, and everything she did, she was singing. You know, I had I I was fortunate to live with my great grandma. I literally would drive around town. I go to town. I was very fortunate to to wake up and to see my great grandma, and I went to sleep. My great grandma was there. You know, so I my so I have to let you know I have grandparents that don't speak or understand English currently. Hmm. Like if Blaine, Josh, if I could, Molly, if I could take y'all to my grandma's house in, in Sidetuot, mm-hmm. she would, I would have to speak Navajo and introduce y'all in Navajo. Hmm. So um, it this, uh, this lifestyle that we see out here is still ongoing. I mean, my grandma lives simple. You know, she she values water. She values food, um, simple things, you know. So that's what I've, out there, that's what I teach and share, you know, just that beauty of simple, you know. Um, we, like Grandma taught us, you know, the difference between male and female plants and male and female water. So that's what we, what I share out there is the, is the um, connection of the what my grandma taught us which is called the men this mental it's it's a mental state kind of like a mm-hmm. it's called a in navajo hajon so hajon is what we try to achieve on a daily basis and hajon means the interconnectedness between your spiritual your physical your mental and the environment around you, so mm-hmm. nature. 
when we go out there, that's what we teach. And part of that is singing. You know, like, like I mentioned, that's a big thing in my family. We love to sing. we very musical in our in our family. So that's awesome. Even my grandma told me stories of my that I've met never met my great grandpa, you know, her father, but she told me he was singing all the time. You know, he was a medicine man. So everything they did they sang. You know, in the morning we're taught to run to the east to greet the sun and pray and thank the sun. They and you know, um that's just part of the daily routine is to thank the day the sun and the day directions we always give the directions are taken care of by um we believe the holy people in the mm-hmm. four directions so we got to acknowledge them as well that the four directions and so all that um Hajon, you know it comes out on a hike you know um singing is big you know as you uh, the, uh, all the cultures from all, all all parts of the world you know music is is uh the way they transfer messages that's the way they bring comfort to the people mm-hmm. um so that's what we do out here you know um a lot of singing you know out there i love to sing so sometimes i find myself you know um singing some songs out there um it doesn't matter what it, it could be in any any language you know mm-hmm. as long as you're uh, just connecting, bringing that connection because the, we say that Grandma always said the trees are singing too, you know, as we're out there picking pinions, you know, the trees are out there singing. It's different types of trees, you know, mm-hmm. there's oak trees, there's cottonwood trees, they all sing differently. Mm-hmm. So um, music is what I like to share, you know, with people. That's so awesome. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I really like that. So out on our tours, we talk a lot about the different plants, the juniper, the pina pine, the yucca, the prickly pear, and how um, our indigenous people would have used them. Can you expand a little bit on, um, on some of the plants and how um, uh, the ancient peoples here would have used them? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a really interesting topic and subject that we um, – it's, a, again, a daily basis. You know, um, each – all year round – there's different types of plants that produce different um, uh, properties. So, and whether it be edible, medicinal, um, ceremonial. So, all year round, we. So, for instance, it's winter time, like right now. We're gather. We just we're st- still cold out there, so we gather wood, and we gather different types of wood for different reasons. So, um, you know. Fire is for using for heat. It's also used for um, cooking. Um, Some are used for ceremonial uses. So each different type of wood is used for, for instance, um, like oak is used for uh, ceremonies. Um, Let's see, the wood for the juniper is something I'm going to tell you right now that probably Google doesn't know. Mm-hmm. But um, that, <laughs> that's, that's what we're what, here for. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, yeah. So, man, there's so many things we use out out there. It's pretty awesome, y'all, when we were out there. But yeah, the tree bark from, or not the bark, but the ash from the juniper. Um, next time you have a a blue corn pancake or a blue corn mush, you know, that would be the 
that would be the ingredient that would top it off and make it authentic. Okay. So, and I, that was what, you know, growing up, I'm a cook. I love to cook. So nice. I always wondered why Grandma had a, a little jar container of ash sitting by her stove all my life. And I didn't realize what it, it was used for until about, I'd say about 15 years ago. You know, I was, I watched, you know, watching, I was watching Grandma cook. So I happened to catch her adding some ash, you know, she was making blue corn mush. And I, first of all, I freaked out and I said, oh my goodness, and my grandma, I've been eating, consuming ash all these years. <laughs> and she goes, she looked at me, she goes, yeah, you're, that's right. And, <laughs> and it was pretty awesome because, um, again, I had to go, it was, and I was in awe at first. I was like, oh my goodness, I've been eating ash all my life. And, but I had to do some research and I looked it up and she, man, grandma was, is pretty top notch. She knows her you know, about her digestive system because, mm -hmm. you know, ash is actually very beneficial, you know, if you mm -hmm. just, just the right amount. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, nothing wrong with ingesting some juniper ash, you know. So, yeah. so what I'm hearing is a lot of nature, a lot of cooking, a oh, lot yeah. of singing. Yeah. yeah. Pre pretty fun. I, I'd like to <laughs> hang out. Totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so grandma, like I said, grandma, grandpa were simple. You just mentioned a lot of food products that she we could survive and preserve. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned prickly pear. Mm -hmm. That's some good stuff right there. You know, mm -hmm. when you're out on a hike, um, she I've seen them. Like I have a when we go out on a hike when I was younger, there was always somebody that would peel some pr prickly pear, prepare it for us, and we'd have them eat them like strawberries out there. Would just just refreshing us, you know, on a hike. And nowadays, you can make jelly. I mean, you, you can preserve it in many ways. And mm -hmm. so that's just one plant. Um, you know, got the yucca. So the yucca is widely used. We we still utilize it to, the, to this day. Um, it can be used for some shampoo. We have a, the Navajo, we have a ceremony for the, the females when they come of age. There's a ceremony where they use that shampoo. They actually make that yucca shampoo and lather their hair, and so that's used. And my grand, my grandma had really good. My great grandma, she had healthy hair, and that she benefits that from to those, you know, those um, the good organic shampoo, you know, from the that's yucca. That's organic as you can get, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. So. Yeah, she always had healthy hair, and she, that's what she would benefit that is to her lifestyle. You know, her diet would, like they say, you are what you eat. You know, so yeah. so she's, they, you eat some, you know, healthy foods, you're going to be healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, so out there, we've got Indian rice grass. Um, mm -hmm. We've got pinions that are really good cholesterol. So when you're working, um, you're out there, you've, grandma's always working. You know, grandma and grandpa they're always working you know so they got to be eating you know as you guys all as hikers mm -hmm. you know you're working you got to consume mm -hmm. all day you know because yep. your body needs that to be to keep that energy level up mm -hmm. so um yeah a lot of good good eating out there mm -hmm. um food wise you know we got good hunting you know you can go out there and we hunt still so it's the kind of the stuff we see on the rock rock walls you know, the petroglyph panels mm -hmm. you know all what 
so what would you, what do you guys see when you guys are up there? Can give me an idea when you guys go to a petroglyph panel. See a lot of bighorn sheep and Heck yeah. mule deer. Yeah, nice. I see uh, see a lot of people uh, wearing uh, wearing like horned uh, uh, sort of uh, headdress headgear. Uh, spirals, you know, uh, spiral is one of the things that I'm really interested in because I see a lot of times there are spirals, and then also I see sometimes there are circles within circles. Not really a complete spiral, but just kind of like almost like a pebble effect with like water. So those are the two that I nice. really. Yeah, I really see a lot. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. That's a lot of information up on those walls. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look up there, I see, like you mentioned, food. You know, bighorn sheep, that's a great source of food. Very important. long time ago, we didn't have the cattle and, ho- you know, the other um, domestic animals that we have. So mm-hmm. bighorn, this was their territory, these cliffs that were surrounded by. Just imagine bighorn skylining, you know. So... Um, bighorn um, plant life mm-hmm. is very important. So you see um, plants from the you know, there's a transition period from nomadic lifestyle to more of a communal lifestyle mm-hmm. about 500 BC. Mm-hmm. So and in the rock art, it tells you that you know you, from the 500 BC you see more of a um, plant and transplanting techniques. You see more of a uh, maps of dwellings um, communal settings like ceremonies Mm -hmm. you know so like you said headdresses those are what we see nowadays in our ceremonies and Mm -hmm. our meaning um, the ancestral people you know like uh, my Hopi friends and my Zuni friends they all have their ceremonies still to this day Mm -hmm. and they you know when it's time to hunt you know, they'll have different types of dances. You know, they'll wear, you know, well, they'll wear, um, you know, antlers, you know, depending on what they're hunting, you know. So um, that's what I see on the rock walls. And that just kind of, it reminds me of what's important again, you know, family, you know, up there on the, you mentioned um, the spirals. Mm-hmm. You know, spirals are very important because in many aspects so spirals when i see spirals out there i gotta figure out first of all you gotta look be aware of your setting your surroundings so just like a woofer scenario you 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 approach the scenario and you you scan Mm -hmm. the scene Mm -hmm. you know that's exactly what we do you know (laughs) yeah we we approach these petroglyph panels you stop where you're in your tracks you scan the scene you know mm-hmm. you look around you need to see where you're at you see are you near a spring you know are you near a water drainage you know are you near a site um do you look at the sun well, where's the sun where's where's which which way is that sun traveling mm-hmm. you know and that's when you get an idea of what that spiral is going to be mm-hmm. you know uh so there's so many different types of spirals. I was going to say, we see we see spirals that go both directions. Sometimes they're holding spirals. Sometimes they're by themselves. But you'll see them going to the right and then to the left. And um, I wonder all the time when I'm looking at those petroglyphs and I have my guests out there, you know, I kind of let them, you know, determine for themselves a lot of this stuff because, you know, I... I it's hard for me to determine if it would have been symbology or it would have been what they saw or something like that. Um, do you have an opinion on that? Yeah. 
that's kind of uh, it's kind of hard you know to really to to interpret what each you know spiral means because I mean it involves art too you know and if you ask any artist you know it's hard to interpret their work you know even nowadays I mean you could somebody that's devoted to their artwork is gonna have a, a pretty wild explanation of what they have jotted down I mean written mm-hmm. you know so um, spirals like you said there's so many different types there's some that start with triangles there's some that start with squares and those are you know I can't really I act to tell you the truth, I can't tell you what those really mean unless yeah. I was standing right next to the person right. inscribing it, mm-hmm. you know, because um, personally, I have a lot of artists that are friends, and they show me a piece, they'll tell me, come on, show, I want to show you a piece of work, and they'll show me something that they've done maybe a couple of days previous, and they'll say, it's complete, it's done, I'm, I'm finally finished, and I'll look at it, and I'll say, wow. And I'll say, so does, what does this mean? Does this, you know, I'll ask him to show me, tell me. <laughs> and I'll even tell him, maybe get, throw a guess at him. You know, I'll say, does this mean this? And he'll look at me. He'll be like, man, you're way off, you know. <laughs> so, and it, I'm like, wait, okay. And he'll start to interpret it. And it's like something I had no imagined. I would never have imagined it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I see up on the rock art. Um, uh, there's art. Artist, uh, artistic images there's ceremonial images you know there's um, time markers so again it's you got to really scan and s- scan the scene and see where you're at to, to determine what those images could mean right know? I think that I think that wonder the not knowing you know what it is is powerful in and of itself not knowing what they meant the, the symbology of it because without a you know a, a written language without writing it down um, and a lot of this being done hundreds, sometimes thousands of years ago, it's hard. It's hard to uh, you know get a get a full picture of it. But that's that, that's what makes it special. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, is is not knowing and yeah. For for me, being an Diné and being surrounded by these different tribes, it's taught me to to respect. And to really, uh, um, to not tarnish anyone's prayers, because that's all we do is pray all day. I mean, literally, you know, that's what my that's what my grandma taught me. You know, so each tribe they pray constantly. So that's what has taught me is to to respect that and to um, to uh, like. I will never know what goes on in a kiva as a Diné person. You know, I can speculate, I can wonder, I can ask. Even the person I ask will t- tell me. They won't, you know, it's something that stays with them. You know, and I respect that, you know, so, and vice versa. In a, you know, a Navajo ceremony, you know, it's something, ceremonies are pretty, pretty heavy stuff. You know, when you you go into a ceremony, it's you know a lot of that stays, you know, stays with you, and that's what it's meant to be. You know, stays with that person, and and uh, ceremonies are very different. 
from all these tribes very different mm-hmm. you know languages are different again languages are they dictate what their lifestyles are mm-hmm. you know I, I got my close friends my close friends Hopi my close friend is Zuni us three get together we speak our native languages you know I, I don't ha- understand what my Hopi brothers speaking you know just like my Zuni brother so as that's what's awesome too you know is that's how it kept kept our culture and our people thriving all these years is that that um like that team that kind of a team mentality you know like mm-hmm. we we've been through this we've been through a lot let's get through this and you know um it's that's what I see I see that teamwork throughout all this again on the rock art you know see these big old processions mm-hmm. that's what i see is teamwork you know mm-hmm. so. nice yeah i really i really like i love the expounding on the petroglyphs you know being in the moab area i mean also down there where you're at there's just so many petroglyphs everywhere um <clears throat> i have one more question about the petroglyphs um we're gonna have to so, have uh, have lewis back yeah <laughs> we don't have enough time yeah <laughs> um so when there is a spot so sometimes you'll say a spot where there is just one or two little petroglyphs and then there's a spot where there is just a ton because i know out here in the moab area a lot of people are drawn to the potash road petroglyph panel and there is just i mean probably well over a hundred yeah. there's hundreds on this one panel also like newspaper rock where there's just a lot is where there's a high collection of petroglyphs is that sort of known as a sacred site is there something um nearby that we should be looking for um because i've also heard that um you know uh, for instance like the one on potash when you're staying at the bottom of it and you're looking straight up it's almost like you're looking up a really tall tower right right there um and uh so like a monument of sorts yeah is there like is there a significance of like high numbers of uh petroglyphs in this area sort of like a historical yeah totally so you as i was listening you were mentioning all these places and all these places that you mentioned they all have something in common is they're all near water yeah you got it josh (laughs) yeah near water so that's the freeways Mm-hmm. long time ago you know nowadays we got these roads way out in these rural no man's lands because mm-hmm. it's that's where the roads can fit mm-hmm. long time ago their migration routes you know are near the waterways mm-hmm. so that's how we trace the migration routes of these mm-hmm. different people the people that migrated south from here you know the tribes that i mentioned in new mexico they can trace their clan systems so that's why we got to protect these rock art, you know, because it's a lot of Absolutely. information for these, these uh, descendants, the, the, these, mm-hmm. tr- these people that lived here long ago. Mm-hmm. They lived right down the ways. They, they mm-hmm. still live in um, these rock dwellings. Mm-hmm. They're called, well, the Pueblo is not really a, it's, that's a Spanish word. Pueblo mm-hmm. is a Spanish word. So they don't, they don't, they don't refer to themselves, you know, yeah. If you go to the, a certain village, they'll have a name for it. Mm-hmm. So they've got, just in this case, we'll, we'll refer to them as Pueblos. You know? So there's many, mm-hmm. many Pueblos down there that at one time, so some, there's a group down there right now. Just I'm going to give you, an, an, for instance, um, there's somebody 
speaking about potash, mm -hmm. um, pe petroglyph panel, mm -hmm. saying that's where my people once thrived. There's some, there's a clan that said uh, that's out there that believe that they emerged from these areas. So that's what's awesome and very important that we take care of these places because they still come to these places, you know. Not it's not many people know that. You know, I've been to some of these rock art dwellings and you'll see a, a native, you know, coming up and it might be one, but they might be solo. But you go up and kind of introduce and they'll they'll tell you they're coming from the Pueblo, you know, they're they're connecting with their ancestors. Mm -hmm. So those images, that's why they're so important to Again, you know, us as guides, you know, we got, we don't want to enhance any erosion process. Right, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, those, so we got to not touch them. Mm -hmm. You know, we got lotion all over our hands. We don't want to put those lotion. Mm -hmm. Because there's scientists that come and they're trying to date these panels. You know, we got these um, patina, um, desert varnish that we don't want to, you know, defect any um, possibility of, accurate the dates mm -hmm. you know because some of this these man some of these rock art date back to like 5000 bc mm -hmm. during the archaic time period mm -hmm. so and those are very faint you can't really see mm -hmm. so those are hard to really identify too um so again those are those are all connected to the people that currently live down south of here mm -hmm. you know was there sort of a time period difference between pictographs and petroglyphs, the painting versus the pecking? Um, was there a maybe like uh, I just, you know, uh, have heard, you know, um, that pictographs tend sometimes to be a little bit more older than what the petroglyphs are. Um, do you do you have anything about that? Yeah. Um, so according to what I've seen and you know, archaeologists' data, the petroglyphs and pictographs, they go, they go back far. You know, the hmm. um, basket maker, you, you see some images from like 500 B.C. Mm -hmm. um, and it depends on where they're located as well. Sometimes you see pictographs. So pictographs are paint. Mm -hmm. So like they're, it gives us color. That's do you know awesome. what the uh, the indigenous people would have used to make those paints? The dye, natural dye out there, different colors, plants, and um, I heard heard that adhesive. What creates adhesion is you know fluids, bodily fluids. You know, it could be there's all types. You know, you butcher, you know, when you butcher a deer, there's fluid in in a deer. You know, there's bile. There's urine, there's blood, mm -hmm. you know, so, so all types of organic mm. fluid. So those are what I've heard create adhesion, you know, so something oh, maybe yeah, Sherman Williams that, yeah. and DuPont need to take into consideration. Because <laughs> <laughs> I painted my, I painted my um, uncles and few places I've put paint on and applied and like several years later just flaking off. I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> then I'm looking out at some pan... Take the graphs, you know, the, old, yeah, right? thousand year old. I'm like, wow, they, they knew their, still there. They knew their, yeah, concoction. Yeah, yeah so there's so much, uh, again, so much dates. You know, you got pictographs sitting right next to a petroglyph. Mm -hmm. 
and they could be well, a thousand years old in difference. Yeah. So yeah, you got to really um, again it's the styles. Like I I just mentioned the mm. archaic. That's the Glen Canyon linear mm. style. So the images are you, you'll see the different geometric shapes mm-hmm. and basket maker. You know you see more of the um, what called trapezoidal mm-hmm. geometric figures. Yeah. And then it turns in, you know, evolves into the more, uh, I see more 90 degree angles mm-hmm. during the mm-hmm. Pueblo and mm-hmm. time period, Pueblo one, two, and three. So you can see in the style too, that very, the change. Yeah. One of the biggest style changes I always see is within the bighorn sheep that are depicted on petroglyphs and pictographs, you know, cause some of them are a lot more curvy and then some of them are just like boxes. It's just like a box with four legs. And, you yeah. know, and you got some horns on it awesome. and, you yeah. know, um, so, but yeah, it's, it's super, super, uh, unique to be able to see these different styles. Cause it tells the stories of all these different people, uh, within this area. And, um, yeah, I oh, really, yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the big horn, you can see the, um, the misproportion are typically the archaic and they're, they're high in position to you see, you see those big horn that are really tiny heads and big bodies mm-hmm. and it's partitioned you know in the middle when i see that i see split twig figures hmm. you, you guys familiar with split mm-hmm. twig figures yeah mm-hmm. so you know we make those out on the tour and you <laughs> sometimes you hand it to the guests and they're like wait that's what we saw on the rock wall not long ago oh, wow, yeah. and you're like yeah exactly because <laughs> You see the partitions, mm-hmm. and that's what you see on the split twig figurines. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we were, we were speaking about the panel down Potash Road. Um, so if you go just a little bit further past that, there's a big panel on the wall, and it looks like a bear. Um, we assume cave bear, something like that. But they, these tiny little natives um, with bows and arrows, one at its nose, one at its foot, and one uh, uh, above its rear end. Um, I don't know if you've seen that one, um, but but what do you i've been curious what what does someone like you think that they were depicting there was it um how big that bear was and how small they were was it a great hunt um you know it, it dating wise it couldn't have been that long ago because you know they have bows and arrows in their hands and that wasn't introduced until relatively recently in history um so so what what do you what do you think about about that yeah well i haven't seen this particular panel but your description Sounds very interesting. It could, it depends because the bear is actually really um, held in high regards. So they could be, it could be following it. The bear could be actually leading this group, okay. you know, so they're maybe protectors of the land and the bear is leading. And it, it, but it depends, you know, what I would have to see it to see the, and uh, the date, what to me, and according to our my indigenous background you know the bears yeah so uh josh is showing him a picture right now of this uh of this uh petroglyph panel that's down potash with the great bear depicted well that does that looks like a hunting scenario so there is you know that to hunt a bear is it's not usual so you would i know for for a fact according to you know, well, you would have to have a ceremony done, you know, to in order to do that kind of type of hunting. So that's a special scene right there. You know, that's like a, 
uh, his story telling me all of a hunt that happened long time ago. That's what my interpretation is of because I I noticed that the you, like you said the the arrow is kind of pointing into the. Did you notice one is mm-hmm. like at the kidneys and one is right in the the, the head? Yeah. So mm-hmm. again, that's just my little my quick hypothesis <laughs> right you know, yeah, I, that's, I, I, I mean that geez. brings it full circle to what we were talking about earlier that's that's my favorite um uh piece of rock art any anywhere um, i've seen here um awesome. and i love bringing my my guests there and looking at that because the wonder you know the imagination goes wild and the only thing i could guess is you know this is this was a, a sacred event this was a big thing that happened yep. and, and they're they're depicting that in a, in a way that's going to last a long time exactly you got it sacred yeah, very much. Yeah, and that's one thing that I especially expound on whenever I'm guiding people when we come to these sites and stuff is, uh, is I tell them, like, listen, like, you know, I can throw out <laughs> ideas as to what some of these mean, but literally there's a lot of history in the mystery. Um, and it's super important to, number one, respect these sites. And, um, you know, like nobody, like, you know, there's very few petroglyphs and pictographs that I'm sure that we know 100% what they mean but a lot of them are just kind of like you sort of look up there and you kind of wonder what that artist uh was thinking just like what you know you were just talking about um and one thing i noticed is um is that a lot of times petroglyphs and pictographs of course they're right in the areas that they lived you know right along waterways um you know and i can think of uh several places where there's granaries nearby and uh so what exactly uh, what of those? What exactly were those granaries used for? I know they were probably used to store things, and a lot of times because they're not really they're not big enough to live in, you know. So they almost kind of remind you of like a little storage locker sort of type of thing, you know. Um, so what kind of like what would they use those for? Granaries are very awesome, and they they tell a lot when you when you analyze them. Mm-hmm. So when I see granaries. There's different types of granaries, and it reminds me of of the time. Remind like right now, springtime. It reminds me of time to till the soil. You know, get those um, those corn um, seeds that I've gathered and traded with all these past few years. I've actually have some good seeds, so I'm I'm excited. Sorry, I tripped it off. I'm thinking about my garden right now oh no i love it yeah <laughs> but, um, making me hungry yes. yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah the um pictographs and the the petroglyphs so they're so much um involved in again the you got to figure out where you're at you know to see mm-hmm. what's going on so the spirituality is you know these places not everybody was um like when i think about it i think of a whoever was inscribing or drawing these images were like like the medicine man Mm -hmm. they were they were knowledgeable Mm -hmm. they were overseeing the the group they were connecting with the energy that's out there Mm-hmm. And that's what our culture is evolved around is that energy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Hajon is very much involved with 
connecting with that energy. So that energy is you felt, you know, these homes, these granaries, you know, when I, when I approach these granaries, I can feel their, the hard work that my, my ancestors, my, my friends' ancestors, that they did because these granaries requires a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know, it requires a lot of prayer. Mm-hmm. So these granaries, you'll notice, um, they're very um, protected from the elements. You know, for one thing, granaries, again, all these structures are different. So when I go to a structure, I got to figure out where it's located, where it sits. Is mm-hmm. it in an alcove? Does the sun hit it at all throughout the day? Mm-hmm. Which face is it? Is it facing to the south or the north? So granaries are typically never see the sun. They're, they're into these crevices. Mm-hmm. And what's awesome is and reminds us to be very um, protective of these places is granaries are they're, they're still finding things out there you guys oh, yeah. you know archaeologists still find you know <clears throat> you know um, granaries are probably still hidden up in these places where they're unreachable mm-hmm. and sometimes probably getting underneath the ground too you know because the basket maker time everything was under the ground See, everything keeps cool under the ground so there's Granaries are very important for preservation of our culture. You know, these granaries that were found in like in the 80s, 70s. -hmm. Archaeologists pulled out food that was still preserved, put the seeds into the ground. Mm -hmm. Beans grew. That's why we got the anisuzza bean, you know, growing Mm -hmm. up. We can go to the store and buy anisuzza bean. Mm -hmm. I have corn squash strains at home that were at one time in granaries mm-hmm. you know archaeologists scientists they do their data document them catalog them and then they release them back to the people so we're granaries are very important and protected by the prayers of the our ancestors in which again granaries you talk about granaries man we can get involved into stories of theories mm-hmm. you know because i'm out there with archaeologists all the time and when you find granaries full of food that kind of makes you wonder you know it's like all right so these people supposedly left because they were they were starving there was drought so that's that's one theory mm-hmm. a lot of all of us have heard you know mm-hmm. that that people left because of us the climate because they couldn't grow, they couldn't, they had no food. But that's kind of hard to really, it doesn't correlate with what we, our stories, or that has been orally passed down. You know, our stories, and they're, the Pueblo stories, they believe that they're coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why they mm-hmm. left these granaries full of food. Oh, you know, I mean, so it's wow. like, why would you, if you're hungry, you're, your people are on the verge of starvation your instincts is to go into that granary and get some food you know mm-hmm. but you know that's that's why when I have an explanation of you know you guys left you, you, the people left here because it was harsh because they didn't have any food mm. it's like man you should see where I live now <laughs> you know <laughs> you should see where my Hopi brothers live now yeah. you know we live down in 
where there's no trees at all you know That's crazy, i mean yeah. so it's like you know all these like you said these stories that you read in the storybooks mm -hmm. you, you get out into the hikes you know it's like wait that don't they don't make sense you know but to us my stories and what i've heard it does make sense you know yeah. that's what's cool about being a guide and out there is because you the horse blinds come off you know mm -hmm. when you're out there you know I, before i started the guide i had horse blinds on you know i i stepped on cryptobiotic soil somebody mm -hmm. said hey get off that cryptobiotic soil what are you doing I said, what are you talking about? Then <laughs> he said, there's cryptobiotic soil. And I said, oh, my goodness, I've been stepping on crypto all my life. <laughs> you know? So I needed to be yeah. taught and told. I mean, we're yeah. constantly learning, right? We're yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what's awesome about life. You know? mm -hmm. Well, Lewis, earlier you, you mentioned uh, preservation of culture. We've only got a couple minutes left. We talked about the granaries. We talked about the petroglyph sites. Um, you know, we, we all know about bears ears and sacred areas like that. Um, just for a couple minutes, can you, can you give us just a, a quick rundown from the indigenous perspective on how we can better respect these sites and honor these sites? Well, being out there and getting... I get feedback from visitors while I'm out there and the the best feedback is education mm. so um education letting people know what they're getting into you know rather than them finding out till later so it's important for us to signs are big I'm out there I see signs that need interpretation i have people out there telling me oh my goodness you you're a guide you're an indigenous guide you know so it's it's not a norm <laughs> to have an indigenous yeah. guide out yeah. there so it's like <laughs> like we're for instance ancient waves i'm with ancient waves river and hiking adventures i'm the owner and our outfit is out telling people about the indigenous presence and the stories because People come from all over the world to see these places and they can look and take pictures all they want, but they don't have the story. Mm -hmm. You know, these, like as a geologist, I go out there, these rocks are telling me stories. As an archaeologist, I go out there, these sites are telling me stories. As a botanist, I go out there, these plants are telling me stories. Mm -hmm. So out there, just so many stories. And being out there, that's why we encourage everybody to get outdoors. You know, because yeah. those stories mm -hmm. need to be heard by everybody. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. so, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. And, you know, when people go out here, they just, it's really important that, you know, um, when we go out that we just stop and just listen. You know, that's one thing that, you know, we try to do on our, that I definitely do. And I know Josh does the same mm -hmm. thing and you probably do the same thing is we give people some, a little bit of time to just sit in silence and just listen. Absolutely to what our surroundings are saying to us um, and listening to We try to, to those find songs. those spots where the silence is deafening. You know, you mm -hmm. can hear. Absolutely. You can hear the silence. Absolutely. Well, man, I am so glad that you came all the way up here to, uh, to, <laughs> to yeah. come up here for the History Hour. And oh, yeah. We greatly appreciate all the information you have shared, and uh, we're definitely going to have you back again very, very, very soon. There's a lot more that we soon. wanted to talk about, so yeah. we'll, we'll, definitely, <laughs> we'll definitely have you absolutely. back on. Nice. Thanks for awesome. having me. That was yeah, fun. Course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, looking forward to more. Yeah, well, well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in here to the History Hour on KZMU. Uh, once again, my name is Blaine. I'm joined here by my co-host, Josh. 
And we will be back next month, the last Monday of every month, right here at 4 p.m. on KZMU.